Welcome to The Ether. Today is Monday, April 4th, 2022. This episode of The Ether is brought to you by Talus. Talus Protocol is the NFT platform for independent artists on Terra. Talus helps to provide artists with the tools and resources needed to transition from traditional art into the NFT world. With their V1 launch coming soon, Talus will be the place to see real-world art reflected on Terra. Be sure to join their Telegram and follow Talus on Twitter for updates on their roadmap, validator, and other Talus news. Find your next favorite artist on talus.art. This episode of the Ether is also brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Follow Orbital Command on Twitter using the link in the show notes to receive regular threads on Terra protocols and yield strategies, news, resources, and Twitter space discussions. You can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. Today on the Ether, the Terra Firma NFT AMA, hosted by Orbital Command. Let's take a listen. All right, all right, all right. You've got Dr. Doscoin here, chatting with Terra Firma. Terra Firma NFT, as their Twitter handle goes. Uh, I believe we're going to have Adam on the call. I'm just going to bring him up as a speaker, so bear with me a moment here. And we'll just give it a minute for some people to enter the space. And while that is happening, uh, as per usual, this call will be recorded by Terra Spaces, the busiest people or persons in the entire cryptosphere, I believe. Anyway, that's my that's my two cents on them, catching every single space, basically. Um, TerraSpaces.org is where you can find recorded spaces. All right, here we go. I'm getting Capricious Sage asking to speak. I believe that is Adam, if I'm not mistaken. We'll find out in a moment. <clears throat> Hello, Capricious Sage. Can you hear me? Yes, there? I can. And I have just discovered that my desktop uh, cannot, in fact, uh, go as a speaker and that I do have to do this from my phone. Go figure. <laughs> yes, the, uh, the the laptops don't work with Twitter Spaces, unfortunately. It's... A real pain in the backside, and I would love it if that was the case, or if it wasn't the case, but we just adapt and overcome, don't we? Yeah, all good, all good. All good in the hood. So, look, what I'll do, I've given a quick introduction just to say that this has been recorded by Terra Spaces. Dr. Doscoin coming from Orbital Command. We're speaking with Terra Firma today, um, and this is going to be a really cool conversation, I believe. You and I had a chat. Um, just confirming, this is Adam, yeah? Yes, yes, last I checked. Awesome. Yes, so we had a chat the other day uh, behind the scenes and I got to hear a bit about what's going on. I'm really looking forward to having you share that. Now, what we'll do sort of format-wise, next few minutes, we'll do a little introduction, get to hear a bit about you, the team, what's going on, um, you know, a little bit of the trials and tribulations along the way, all that sort of stuff, the exciting stuff. And then, of course, I'll ask some questions about halfway through the next hour. <clears throat> I will then invite the speakers to, you know, the listeners to come up and speak and ask some questions. And at the end, we'll wrap it up in a nice little bow and part ways. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Amazing. So, Adam, let's do it, mate. You, how about you just start off by letting us know, first and foremost, what is it? What do you do? What's Terra Firma? Righto. So, the whole idea behind Terra Firma is about bringing fractionalised real estate exposure to, to Terra, but most specifically, it's in a way that is not a security. And that's been the whole uh, the whole adventure of what we've been trying to work through is um, most of the time it goes through and uh, you know, in, in any sort of previous attempt of, of projects trying to fractionalise real estate, it always puts the compliance on the user's perspective that they have to go through in KYC, there's restrictions on who can play uh, and, and all of the rest of it. And it's it's been done so many times that we tend to actually call it the standard property fractionalization model. 
and it has a number of downfalls. And what we're trying to do is basically completely rebuild the model and build a DeFi project that incorporates real estate uh, in a way that, uh, that it's going to be uh, a much more open, decentralized, uh, democratized platform uh, that's ultimately going to be much better for, for users and participation and that uh, makes a lot more sense. Great little summary there. And so what we'll do before we dive into the particulars of the project itself, can you tell us a quick bit about the team? You know, where are you based? How many of you are there? What, what are the roles? How do, what does it look like? Yeah, so the core team itself is um, uh, is obviously myself. Uh, so then on the Terra Firma uh, account at the moment, we've got uh, <laughs> um, we've got Avocado, uh, and Avocado and I are both both based here on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. And then we also have our lead dev, uh, who is just trying to join in from the Series Ventures account at the moment. If we can figure it out, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so and he's based of. Uh, he's based overseas. Uh, he's also an Aussie, um, but um, met a pretty lady over in UTC minus six, and we haven't seen him since. <laughs> um, so, in addition to that, um, on uh, this is what sometimes seems to be a compliance project with crypto attached. <laughs> so, we've also got uh, four law firms, three accounting firms, and then uh, uh, two graphic artists, uh, two real estate agents. And then um, also a, a, a back-end team with a content writer, a UIX, a UI UX designer, and um, a business admin and finance. It's quite the team. That is quite the team. And so yeah, it just I, grows I, quicker. It grows quick. I can I can appreciate how uh, official it is too. You know, obviously that you've got the lawyers and the accountants and all that uh, involved there. What I, and we'll get into that too, actually. Well, maybe. Let's 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 do that for a second. Let's dive into the particulars around how how do you navigate this space? Because because my first impression is when I spoke to you the other day, I was actually really impressed with our conversation. But I've seen other projects attempt this in the past, try to do this fractionalized uh, real estate as NFTs, and you know, within a few, the idea sounds great. And then within a few months, they kind of disappear. And uh, many of them have been, well, from my observations, been rug pulls. And so I'm certainly not uh, declaring anything that you are a rug pull project, but I'd just be curious to know, you know, why do you think it is that some of those projects just haven't seemed to get any traction? And why do you think it is that you guys will? So a lot of it comes down to what we sort of described as that standard property fractionalization model. So the way that the, the vast majority of these have worked in the, in the past is that they all, they first off, they raise a bunch of money and they say, we're, we're totally going to do something cool with this. So they, they raise the money and then somewhere between a, a few months to sometimes a few years later, they finally um, buy a property. But the way that they tend to do it is that they'll, they'll set up an LLC. The LLC would, would buy the property. They'll then um, break the LLC up into shares, put those shares into trust, and then it's the it's the it's essentially the exposure or the promissory over those shares uh, that people are normally getting through uh, through their NFT or their token or whatever. So the issue there is that your uh, the, the shares themselves are a security, and the way that that's set up is all the security. So that means that to gain access to this, you have to go through and you have to KYC, uh, and there's there's a lot of restrictions depending on where the property is and whether the company behind it is registered as to who can play. Uh, there's a lot of overheads. Uh, the yield is awful. Um, the the ability to exit is is also very restrictive because you can only uh, you can only sell to other people that have gone through the same process. Um, and because you know half the time you tend not even to be keeping up with inflation, you're just losing money slower. You end up with a situation that the audience to sell to continually shrinks as well. And because of that, it you know it continually just degrades the performance over time until it winds its way back to zero. So essentially, what we're doing is that rather than trying to uh, just take the the traditional property fractionalization model and, and paint crypto over the top of it is, as I said, we are we are building a DeFi project that incorporates crypto that we're able to get the uh, the DeFi um, the DeFi like uh, yield and returns. So um, I, I should, before I sort of get into any of the any of the particulars, um, my my lawyers will will hit me with a stick if I don't go through some disclaimers. Uh, that basically that um, uh, the, what what we're talking about here is is in draft form. 
and it's uh, it, you know, some information may change as time goes on, uh, and it does not outline a full picture, and it has not been approved by any regulatory authority, and may be amended, updated, and otherwise modified at any time. Uh, no, uh, nothing in this message is a prospectus or offer uh, an or offer of any kind uh, to um, uh, as, as an offer for a security or a solicitation for an investment. Uh, as always, uh, do your own research. I'm not accountant. <laughs> so, okay, now that we have that out of the way. Uh, so basically what we're able to go through and do is that by using, um, first off, a very different method of the actual exposure itself, which is through a, a series of very, very carefully crafted contracts through our, our literally dozen compliance entities across three countries, that's fun, um, is that we're able to go through and have a process where government governance is able to implement uh, what's called a, a property yield pool or essentially that each NFT collection represents one property and a property yield pool. And then the uh, both a portion from the initial mint of the NFTs, uh, as well as equity that we're able to unlock from the actual property itself, as well as a portion of all secondary sales, are able to also build in that property yield pool to create a, a, significantly, uh, a significantly higher yield through, through those DeFi approaches than through through your traditional property market exposure there. So a few of the important things is that first off, the decision to implement that is is a governance step. Uh, it is not a um, not a centralized step from us. Uh, and so the the exact configuration will vary from case to case. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a part of the process. There are certain things I can and can't say at the moment, but what I would recommend is to go through the deep dive uh, that I've that should hopefully be around here somewhere, uh, that also goes through and breaks down a number of the different uh, value accrual methods of the project. Cool, okay, great. And, okay, so a few questions have just popped up there and I'm just trying to figure out which one. The, you've just sort of glossed over this property yield pool, uh, the property yield pools. Can you sort of walk us through that in a little more detail just so that I can get a great understanding, please? Yeah, sure. So um, to, to clarify as far as how the property is purchased, so these these first properties that we that we're um, that we're going through and purchasing, uh, which at the moment we're in our uh, Series A round, uh, with the uh, with about seventy percent of both the Series A and B is going to bootstrap the um, the property war chest, uh, which is the, the central funds that actually goes off and buys property. Uh, so when we launch, there will be already properties owned and ready to go. Um, that are that are ready fractionalized and that the NFTs are, are, are good to good to roll. Everything being uh, a functional MVP at launch is also a part of the compliance, I should add. So the properties themselves are being purchased uh, cash in full in advance. Uh, we're then able to um, restructure that with a TFI uh, or TradFi uh, loan against the property to unlock that equity. That equity. Uh, that we're able to unlock becomes the bootstrap for a property yield pool. Of course, it should governance vote as such. Uh, that that then bootstraps that fund. Then on the initial uh, mint itself, a portion of all of the uh, all of the primary sales, and then a portion of all of the secondary sales uh, continues to hyper compound uh, in that yield pool. So that means that what you've got is that each NFT collection represents a property and a yield pool. And then, uh, say a couple of years down the track, um, governance governance decides, well, okay, uh, we've, we've got a whole heap of money in this property yield pool. Uh, we want to use some of that to buy another Terra Firma NFT collection. So the funds will be used from that NFT yield pool, uh, 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 that collection's yield pool. We'll purchase another property, uh, another new property, and then all of the existing holders will be airdropped, which means that they're able to uh, further. Um, essentially further diversify their portfolio without having to sell anything. And depending on your jurisdiction, that can have all sorts of fun uh, CTT benefits there of not having to figure that sell. Uh, the other thing that they can do is go, hey, look, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all well and good to be, uh, to be selling these NFTs or to be using them as collateral somewhere or all of this fun stuff, but um, we'd really like to sell the underlying property. And if governance votes to do that, then the property over here in the meat world um, is liquidated. And the funds, uh, the funds from that are also then put back into that yield pool, and then everyone is able to burn their NFTs in exchange for their portion of that yield pool. Hmm. Interesting. 
So in the event that a property is liquidated and sold and the funds are distributed back, do who's signing off on that? Like who's the – on paper, who's the person or entity that's owning the house? Yeah. And so, signing off on that? So in Australia um, – Part of the reason why we are starting with properties in Australia before expanding internationally, which there is a plan for that, uh, is the fact that Australia has a lot of regulations for everything. So when you can make things work here, um, <laughs> it's a much easier process to adapt somewhere else. Uh, so in Australia, there's a couple of key things to keep in mind. First off, we have stamp duty rules, which on each, which isn't just on each purchase. It's on each change of who's listed on the title. So that means that if you were to change uh, and like have everyone's name directly on title and change that with people changing who owns the NFTs, uh, you'd be looking at you know, uh, fifteen dollars to $30,000 every time someone trades an NFT. Not really practical. <laughs> uh, the second thing that you have is the Australian fo- uh, Aust- the additional foreigner acquisition duty, which is a, uh, at the moment 7% levy that if anyone who is not a permanent resident or a business that is not owned by permanent residents tries to buy a property, the government goes, hey, we're just going to knock an extra 7% levy on any portion of the property owned by someone that isn't here, which that's that's a second fun hurdle. And then the third one is the Australian for, uh, the Foreign Investment Review Board, or the FIBA, uh, that also goes through and goes, hold on, is there is there international entities buying up a, a whole bunch of, of things in Australia? We want to ask questions which is the reason why the title of the property remains in Australia on a holding entity, uh, which then the uh, – so there's a holding PTY LTD, which is similar to an LLC in the US, and then under that it will have a series of, uh, a series of trusts, which are siloed off to make sure that there's no uh, – or the, should say that it reduces the, the cross-liability between any, pro- any different projects if someone you know, walks in, trips over, hurts themselves, decides to sue everybody – uh, it's you know, sil- siloing any, any risks there. Of course, everything is insured, but you do still want to make sure that we're offsetting risks. So the actual title is held uh, by that holding company uh, and its trust here in Australia. And then essentially we have a, a series of, of, of multi-layered legal agreements that I can't give, give the complete breakdown just yet on for some fun compliance reasons uh, on, on how it then allows that exposure mechanism to come through to the NFTs themselves. And the NFTs actually have the exposure baked into them. Uh, so the NFTs are being built on Andromeda's ADO um, platform, which is the Andromeda Digital Objects. And they basically have a series of modules that have different functionality so that you can combine them together to create the NFTs that you're, that you're looking for. And one of those modules is a contract module uh, so it actually has the, the the contractual exposure baked directly into the NFT. So there's no central list that we need to maintain, and that means that people can um, you know, aren't limited to just trading these through us. They can trade them just as they would any other NFT on any compatible marketplace, be that uh, you know on chain on Terra, um, you know um, going across uh, multiple different chains uh, as Andromeda is uh, building in. Uh, multi-chain support. I think the first one that they've got support for is secret. Uh, as for the rest of it, that's their problem. <laughs> uh, and then also um, any exchanges that we're also able to have uh, the NFTs listed on as well, because they're all trying to get into the NFT market space as well. So that that basically means that they've they've got the flexibility of trading it like a monkey in a spacesuit, but having that uh, that underlying value of both the exposure to uh, the real world property and also the exposure to that yield pool. Right. And so with the NFTs being traded, the I imagine obviously there's a royalty built into the yes. uh, secondary sales and the royalties would probably funnel back to the war chest. Is that uh, so they, they, they funnel back to the property yield pool. Back to the yield pool. Okay. And so, so a portion – yeah, you go? sorry. You go. Okay. So with the yield pool itself, so basically every, every, every bit of the funds that we can um, – that relate to – a particular collection, um, so you know, uh, revenue from uh, you know, additional revenue from rent, um, you know, revenue from secondary sales, all of those sort of things. They continue to add into those yield pools, and then portion of the yield that it creates 
is then used to fuel the rest of the protocol. Um, so, you know, it goes up to the property war chest and, and operations and compliance and all that sort of thing. And then there's a portion of the, uh, the yield from the yield pool that is then there for how the collection itself wants to use it. So that, um, the, the three examples that we gave are broken up into what we've called uh, growth growth, yield yield, and growth yield. <laughs> very original with the map. Uh, so, so, yeah. I was just going to say, sometimes simpler is better. So that's good. I actually like that. Yeah. I think now, we, in, in crypto, we don't just want yield, we want yield yield. <laughs> Double yield. <laughs> Double yield. Yeah. So uh, essentially, the way that that works is that in growth growth, the portion of the yield that that proper yield pool is making is just left to hyper compound. Um, so uh, the value there is growing as quickly as possible, uh, which means that the underlying value on those NFTs is, is growing uh, as, as quickly as possible. And so floor price go up. Um, that's the, that's the, the, the simplest uh, mechanism there that if you're, if you're not wanting to stake and it's just you really want to go with the keep it simple model, um, there you have it. Option two is the yield yield. And so with that, the portion of the yield pool that would be otherwise hyper-compounding in growth growth, is instead used to buy series tokens. And those series tokens are available uh, basically as yield for anyone staking their NFTs. So that's the option that if you want exposure to a growing NFT or if you want exposure to the series tokens themselves. And then growth yield, as you've probably, probably guessed from the very complicated naming scheme here, is it's cut right down the middle. <laughs> so half of that amount hyper-compounds and the other half is then awarded in series tokens. Right, and is that selected by the individual user or is that decided upon by governance and once it's allocated, then that's that, or how does that work? So that process is governance. Uh, we, our, our, our biggest goal is to make sure that we launch on time uh, with features that work. So uh, it's likely that at launch, it will just be growth growth um, with then the the growth yield and yield yield options becoming available shortly thereafter, where then properties are able to go through and 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 governance vote to go, hey, which flavor do we want? And uh, and that's something that is a is a fairly straightforward mechanism there as to how that's set up. So as for the um as for the series token itself, so it's it's essentially the the underpinning part of of everything that we do with series ventures. And so that includes Terra Firma where it's getting a, a portion of revenue from those yield pools. Uh, it's including everything that we do with uh, here, in, here in the meat world with actually um, acquiring and, um, and going through. And a, a part of what we're wanting to do is, is improving the vertical integration so that rather than just an individual house uh, looking at uh, uh, as a townhouse complex or an apartment block, those sort of things, which will have a mix of some properties that end up going into um, in as terra firma NFTs and others that are sold here in the meat world uh, to make sure that there's a, a nice mix of uh, renters and occupants in, in anything that we're doing. Uh, and that, that creates another revenue source. And then also what we're doing with both uh, lossless property and, uh, and unbuy realty as well, generating additional revenue in for, um, in for series, as well as some future projects which we have in the works. Uh, and some future revenue sources for the Terraforma NFTs that we have in the works as well, but we're not quite ready to take the lid off them yet. And uh, and that's where the value accrual comes from on the series token. Hmm. There was a word I missed in the middle. You said lossless property and something realty. What was the word before realty? Unbuy realty. So essentially, we, you recall earlier on how I mentioned that with with the properties, we buy the property outright, we unlock a bunch of equity, equity and then we're, we bring that into DeFi because the, the three, three or 4% interest that you pay at the bank and the, the 19.5% that you can get on, on Anchor, there's a great big delta there in the middle. Uh, <laughs> the, the idea behind Unbuy Realty is essentially making that mechanism an end retail product so that, uh, you know, so that you've got, uh, you know, say, a, a retired couple that they've owned their property since you know, day dot. Um, you know, they bought it back in the in the 60s or 70s or something for, you know, $6,000. It's now worth one and a half million <laughs> because, of course, property went up that way. Wages didn't. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that they are, that they're capital heavy 
but cash flow pull. And at the moment, the only real options is that one, they could downsize, or two, they could get a reverse mortgage. But reverse mortgages are incredibly predatory. And it basically just eats away everything that they've spent their whole damn life trying to build up. What we're trying to do is give an alternative to that where we go, hey, let's use the equity, put that into something that's able to generate yield on DeFi, use that to pay down the mortgage that you've just created, to build up some more capital here, and then also to give you a degree of a, of a living wage so that you're able to actually uh, fund your retirement without destroying uh, you know, everything that you've built. And so that then when it comes time to actually wrap up your estate um, and you know, prep things for, for kids' inheritance and that sort of thing, you're able to clear off that loan completely, if you haven't already, essentially unbuying your, your property uh, and also have a pile of cash left over at the end. Uh, that's, that's really going to help uh, make sure that you're, you're able to give more to your kids on the other side. So many parts to this. So, yeah, because I was wondering when I, first, <laughs> when I was first looking at the Series Ventures light paper that you put out uh, yesterday, the, the day before, um, I was trying to make sense. I'm like, why is, why is one part of this series and what's with the terra firma? Why is there a difference? Like, to me, that felt confusing, but I get it. It's like a parent company and it's doing things in the digital world and in the meat suit world. Um, okay. This is all coming together. Look, yeah. I'm curious to know as well about the so rental income. So let's say you buy a house. There's a house that's purchased. Well, actually, first and foremost, who's scouting the houses? And what's where are the houses coming from as far as being put in front of the governance? Who's deciding yeah. on that? So and like, <laughs> like everything, starts a little bit more centralized and then moves out from there to try and decentralize. So the initial properties um, that will be Again, this is a lot of this also has to do with compliance process. So stage one is our Pathfinder properties, which are residential properties here on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia, where it has a very solid housing market. We also have the Olympics coming up at the end of the decade, uh, and there is an absolutely insane amount of, um, of infrastructure spending going on that's, that's going to see a very healthy uh, decade for us for property, which is great. So we have, uh, we actually have a, a local um, property management arm uh, that that we that we have here. Uh, we have um, two real estate agents or, uh, that are also helping us on team, and then we also have a, a series of industry contacts, um, you know, builders, uh, property uh, property developers, and essentially pr pretty much every every part of the how the sausage is made uh, that we have that we've built very long relationships with here on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, in the most part, through my, my old Meat World business, uh, which was actually a marketing company that worked a lot with the different property, um, different, uh, different sections of the property market. So from there, that's the way that the initial uh, residential properties are, are going to be selected, that we're aiming to be hopefully releasing what they're about at a rate of about one a month. So that's, that's the, the linear stage one. Now, anyone who has been involved in property knows that residential property is a gigantic pain in the ass to manage. It's, it's much more resource intensive in terms of, of personnel and work than say a commercial property on a triple net lease, where basically the majority of, of the expenses and the maintenance and repairs are actually the responsibility of the tenant. So, a part of our a part of our compliance is that when people receive their NFTs, the the property needs to be functional and ready and and good to go. Uh, so that's that's where we're starting with these the ones that we purchase, and then they're rolled out on that monthly basis. Then after a couple of months, our next stage of our Pathfinder is with some commercial property here on the Sunshine Coast. That then becomes our Pathfinder for the commercial stuff, which the residential has to come first. Then the commercial, so building on that, uh, which will be some different types of commercial properties here that it's really going to depend on what's presenting the best opportunity at the time. So it's not trying to lock ourselves into a particular box. It's all about what's going to make the most sense, uh, the, you know, the, the right opportunity at the right time that is, is going to appeal to people. So that's the second phase. And then from there, where we're able to start the exponential growth aspect is a... Uh, have to be very careful about how we phrase this, uh, where people will be able to essentially vote with their wallets on the types of specific projects that, um, that we're bringing on 
um, the, the first of which we'll, we'll be putting forward with that will be a series of commercial options in the US, uh, which has a really strong com um, commercial real estate market. And we have some amazing partners um, that we're working with there that their, their existence is, is all about uh, trying to make sure um, that the, the right property is selected. And they have a very long reputation of doing that very successfully to build up an unfathomably large um, property management um, firm themselves. And we'll, we'll be working with them to basically help select the right properties on that arm. And that uh, this, is, this is a bit where the, the actual governance stage comes through where people are able to go, hey, look, this is the one that I that I want and I'm going to be voting with my dollars. And then uh, obviously whichever one's actually uh, you know, are successful in that in that voting project, or that voting process, that then proceeds to the to the next level and happens. Uh, the the wording there, I am intentionally being a bit coy. It is for compliance reasons. Uh, we will be going through and doing more deep dives that has legal approved language on how we have to do that. But again, about you know, the the great thing about the project is also the biggest pain in the ass with the project, which is the fact that everything needs to be compliant to make sure that we maintain that um, that not a security legal opinion. So there will be things that that when we're communicating it, it will have to be in a very very ham fisted way that you'll say, hey, look, really could have said that with like a sentence instead of twelve sentences and a disclaimer. To which we'll say, yeah, we know. We're just not allowed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that that is the reason for some of the awkward language there. Certainly, and I, I can appreciate that. The In the event, so I, I get it, you're going to do your due diligence, you're going to make sure that the house is in good condition and so on and so forth. Obviously, in the real world, it's, it's not. It's different to an NFT. You know, an NFT, it's not. It's not going to get damaged. It's not. Nothing's happening to it. Uh, when I say an NFT, I mean like a you know a JPEG NFT. Um, versus a real world house that it has walls, it has floors, it has you know all sorts of things that can get broken. Um, and so, in the, you know, you can do what you can to mitigate risk. But when something does inevitably happen to the house and go wrong and need maintenance, or the house burns down in some freak gasoline fight accident, um, what happens there? What happens for the holders of the NFTs of that house? Yeah. So essentially, um, our, our two of our, our core advisors are an accountant and an insurance broker. <laughs> so how do we manage the structure and how do we manage the, the liability uh, to keep everybody safe? Um, so with that, you obviously have insurances and overheads on the property, uh, which is where um, you know the, the the first priority of where those rental rental returns are going to is making sure that uh, that we have both all of our insurances and real world liabilities taken care of, as well as feeding into essentially a maintenance and repair fund. Uh, so that in the event that there is, hey, such and such thing broke, uh, that's going to be able to come from that maintenance and repair fund. And uh, and that, that maintenance and repair fund will also be, uh, when it is idle, generating yield, because of course. <laughs> and uh, and that's that's essentially where those, those minor repairs come from. This is also one of the other main reasons why the larger scaling uh, will come from the commercial side because with a triple net lease, a lot of the, the repairs and maintenance is actually the tenant's responsibility um, and liability as well. So that takes a lot of pressure off uh, the uh, off, off of the, the NFT holders to worry about. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, so that's, that's the first thing there. Um, and then, yeah, so the other thing to keep in mind is that if, if it burns down, well, that's that's real easy. Uh, that's that's basically a um, a forced sale, more or less, where you end up getting an insurance payout, uh, and then governance can decide, hey, okay, uh, we've just been handed a pile of money because uh, the house, you know, what what used to be a house is now a, a pile of rubble. Um, did we want to uh, do we want to sell out? Because you know, we've also got uh, we've, we've got this pile of money already. We can, we can sell it to land or whatever. Um, you know, the, the governance is able to decide at that stage what do we want to do. And uh, in the event that they do go, hey, look, we've already already been paid half of the insurance, and we'll we'll sell off the land for the other half. Um, then, hey, you know what? That just enters into the property yield pool, and uh, and they can exit out of that. But the other thing to keep in mind is that with that property yield pool, when governance has decided to sell, uh, that's not forcing your hand to say, 
you must burn this NFT now. It's saying, hey, the underlying house has been sold. Everything is now in that yield pool. Go and burn and collect at your leisure. And, um, and that both means that you can, you can pick and choose exactly when you do that for, for tax purposes uh, or your, your own planning. Um, and you know, in the meantime, I'm still going to keep on yielding. So uh, there's, there's not exactly a penalty if, you, if you're leaving that there. That's really attractive. I like the sound of that. Um, and there's no end, there's no expiry date. It's literally as long as it needs to be. Uh, we don't really see any any reason to have an expiration point on that. Um, you know, like if if we get to the point that you know, it's, it's been a decade and there's still like three people who are holding on their NFT from like the first collection and everyone else has burnt it, we might have to cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Out, outside of extenuating circumstances, um, at yeah. the end of the day, it's it's funds that are locked up and generating yield within the Terra ecosystem, which I, I think that we can all collectively go, oh no, high TVL, oh no. <laughs> mm. I had a thought as you were talking about the insurance being the easy part. <laughs> I just had a random thought about. What if people just start going out and realizing, hey, if I just burn these houses down, we can just get insurance payouts? What do you, well, what do you make of that? That would be a crime, <laughs> and, and that would be a very bad idea. Which, I, if you really wanted to exit the property, you could always just governance vote to sell the damn thing. There is more ways to move to sell a house than to burn the damn thing down. Uh, Please do not burn down a house. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Well, there's all you know. It's crypto. There's some there's some rogue characters out there, but um, look, I think I think we're going to be fine. Um, looking at the time, what are we? Twelve thirty six p.m. for you and I, uh, seeing as we are both in the same state. Before I wrap it up and get it, or not wrap it up for myself, but before I hand over the mic to anyone that wants to jump up and ask some questions regarding, you said uh, there's a lot of compliance that needs to be sorted out. Is it KYC? For us as well? No, so the whole idea is that I'm, if you're going through on, on say, the, the Series A or B, um, where 70% of those funds are, are going to, to bootstrap the property yield pool, that has KYC because it's it's a, an early investment round. They they all have that. Um, yeah, that's that's a separate dance. Um, if, when we come to the IDO, depending on the platform that that's hosted on, they have their own rules. Uh, so. Um, you know, as as you guys know, some some uh, a number of uh, of IDEO platforms you have to KYC on them to participate. Uh, but then there's also other launch mechanisms like your liquidity boot swap, your forge, your um, your lock drop, those sort of things, which are a price finder mechanism and don't have KYC requirements. Uh, so on on that front. Um, that yeah, you know, that's that's also something that we're looking at as well, which does allow people that that when we get to that that end milestone, that they can get involved without having to go through um, through that whole song and dance. Uh, but then when it's actually live in the marketplace, everything that we're building about making sure that these N that these NFTs are just like any other monkey in a spacesuit means no no KYC. Uh, hey, cool! I'd like to participate in the mint, or hey, cool! I'd like to buy this on the secondary marketplace. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And actually, while we're on that topic, why you know why? What's the selling point for you when you think about why people would want to uh, have you know fractionalized uh, NFT, uh, fractionalized real estate as an NFT? What's the what's the payoff for them going that road and not just sticking to what they already know? Uh, you know, being a DGen and jumping into whatever liquidity pools and farming and all the rest of it. There's there's more to life than just growth and yield. Now, obviously, making sure that we've got them is kind of important, but it's also about diversification as well. Uh, that you know, we're making sure that these properties, are, you know, in in addition to it being a great DeFi project in and of itself, the the properties that make up part of you know part of those those collections value. The idea is that they are able to stand alone on their own two feet, irrespective of what happens in the property uh, in the in the crypto market. So, if we wake up to, tomorrow. And all of crypto has had a no good, very bad day, um, and it's it's all it's all gone to pot. A house on the Sunshine Coast doesn't care, and it's just going to keep on plodding. It's still got its value. It's still got its tenant. It's still it's it's still making rent, and it keeps on trucking. And then a few months later, 
when all of the bits get put back in the coin and crypto goes, oh, we're, 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 we're on the happy days again, uh, as, as we are all wanting to do. The, the difference between a, a cataclysmic crash and all-time high seems to be about 12 minutes. <laughs> um, that, you know, that you're able to go, oh, cool, I, I've still got this underlying asset here. You know, we still have that. We still have that yield pool. We still have this underlying asset. Um, I'm I'm good. I've I've got my my diversification. So, and that's that's a really important part of it. As far as the decentralization aspect, uh, this is actually another part of the revenue for um, both the series token and for the the property war chest. Uh, is that one of the main reasons why we're using these Andromeda ADOs? is that Andromeda is also building in a licensing model as well, which means that when we have finished creating the Terraform NFTs and, and the, the whole model, and we have that, that compliance process in place on both, the, uh, on both the real world and the crypto side, um, rather than saying, ha-ha, no, 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 we're the only ones who can do this, we want this to be a model that can work for everyone. And there are, as we said, there are a lot of other crypto, uh, crypto real estate projects out there and there are a lot of people in the traditional real estate space that would love to be able to get involved in this market, but the barrier to entry is too high uh, and the existing models don't work, which is why we want to be able to license out the model for the Terraforma NFTs to other people, to other projects to be able to also do this. Hmm. Yeah, that just got interesting. So would they be just licensing it specifically for the purpose of doing something similar in acquiring property or... Could this model be utilized for things, uh, other real world assets, uh, other real world assets? So it's, it's, that's a little bit of a gray area because it depends on the type of asset. Um, things like residential property, commercial property, solar BTC farm, uh, yeah, all of those sort of things, uh, very straightforward. Um, the, the more of, a, of, a, uh, of an active thing, um, it gets a little bit more interesting, and then the more of uh, an intangible, like a, of a of a mobile object, like a like a watch or or the like. Again, you run into some other issues about you know storage and transport and such. Um, yeah, there there is there is some scope there, uh, but we're not wanting to overpromise. Uh, it's going to be a case of expanding the um, the the compliance model gradually. Uh, to to keep everybody on side and to not piss anybody off. <laughs> oh, sorry, I've just there we go. So that's interesting. And the fees generated by the or the revenue generated by the licensing fees, where yeah. is that going? So part of that is going to the um, is is another value accrual mechanism for the series token. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because everything that the series token is generating revenue wise, uh, be it through the licensing, the real world real estate. The, the the yield pools so on and so forth it's generating it in in dollars be that in in aussie dollars us dollars ust it's making it in dollars so it has always been our goal that the series token not become just a, another race to zero uh, farming token we wanted it to be much more than that it's it's about creating a, a, a sustainable model and that's the reason why the series token Yields in UST. Oh, that is amazing. Sorry, I didn't realize my mic was on. I thought I'd pause it on that bit. Um, that excites me a lot. I'll tell you what, I'm looking, I've just jumped onto your Twitter as you were talking then I've noticed that you've only got, well, not only, but you've got 5,314 followers and I think that's criminal. Um, I think that everyone that is listening should probably go and follow Terra Firma because this is this project is sounding better and better the more I hear. I would love to get uh, someone up. I see that there's a request. I'm going to let, uh, Cyberdeck. Cyberdeck is coming up. We had them on the other day. Cyberdeck has a question for you there. Uh, here comes Kerbal. <laughs> hey, mate, it's uh, Jono from Cyberdeck, and I had a question, hoping that I fully understand uh, where you're getting at. But so here in New Zealand and Australia, like the discrepancy be- between income and housing is crazy. And as a home, providing, uh, providing a home for people and a community for people, uh, what happens if a DAO decides to sell a house <laughs> and you have to kick up the people, if I fully understand? Is there a way to ultimately? So as far as that, um, Australia has uh, a, a lot, and Queensland in particular, has, has a lot of protection mechanisms for tenants where 
uh, if if they if a tenant is on a twelve month lease and three months in uh, into that into that lease, uh, the Dow goes, well, we want to sell. We go, well, that's fine, but we're selling it tenanted, uh, and the person who buys it is going, oh, I'm buying a, a, a an already tenanted investment property. Well, that's cool. Well, I know exactly how much it's making. I know exactly how much it's worth. So I know exactly what my what my yield is and my return. Um, that that has upsides and downsides. Uh, one, it's great for an investor because it's already ready to go. Uh, but obviously, it just becomes less appealing to someone who wants to be an owner occupier because there's someone already occupying. Um, yep. And that's that's the way that 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 process works um, here in Australia. And it's it's about making sure that people's rights are protected through those um, through those uh, lease agreements. One of the other things that we are actually um, working on uh, as far as trying to help with that ever-growing gap between what people are earning and the price of housing, because it is getting ridiculous. Um, so uh, two, two, of the, two of the things that I hadn't had a chance to mention yet is one is the, the gamification aspect, which is a, a whole deep dive in and of itself. Uh, but then the second thing is uh, lossless property. So on both with the individual NFTs uh, and then also for the, the larger scope of it, um, we, that's where we're launching this, this lossless, uh, lossless property model as well. So on, on the small end uh, is that for the actual, when it comes to buying the NFTs, people will have two options. One is to buy via you know, swap, as in here is UST, you give me NFT, um, all happy days. Uh, the second option is lossless. Uh, through a lossless pool, where that's kind of like your uh, your pylon Sabera sort of situation, where you are uh, locking a, a larger amount of capital over a period of time. So you get the NFT straight away. Uh, your UST is locked. It generates yield on the back end. Uh, and then when it's paid its debt, so to speak, uh, that UST is then unlocked and you're, you're good to go on, on your way, essentially with the only cost being an opportunity cost. Uh, so then on the next scale up of that, uh, we have the option for both uh, either larger invest, uh, you know, people wanting a larger amount of exposure, um, which would, could also include um, people like the, the DAO governance for an NFT collection that goes, hey, our, our yield pool is now massive and we don't just want to spend money to buy another NFT collection. We would rather lock up a larger portion of it and losslessly get another collection. So in that case, we take the, the funds out of that uh, out of that yield pool. They're locked up for X amount of time. Um, those those NFT holders get airdropped their new NFTs, same as before. Uh, but then at the end of that lockup period, that UST is unlocked and returns back to that first yield pool, which means that it's again um, further diversifying uh, your the, the holdings there. But then also uh, means you're not actually having a capital expenditure. It's just an opportunity cost. And the opportunity cost is just that for a while there, your NFT had a lower floor price, which that's the second part. Uh, that can also be used for, say, um, you know, if, if a whale is going, hey, look, I, I love these NFT things, but I don't want to share. <laughs> I don't want to share with a whole bunch of other people. Um, I want the whole thing. Uh, they can also do um, either a, a swap or a, 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 a bespoke lossless option for an entire collection. Uh, by entire collection, I mean up to 95% because 5% of every collection goes to the property war chest uh, for building that out for, to grow the protocol. Um, and then the, the final goal of that, which to be very clear, is a number of years away and has a massive amount of additional legal dances that we have to go through. But our end goal of what we want to do with lossless property is actually about helping people get into the housing market. So the example that we give here is that say you've got a, a newly married couple um, they've, they've both got, they've both got good jobs. They're both saving money, but at the end of the day, the rate of their savings increasing is not keeping up with the cost of, of housing going up. So they're able to pay all their bills. They're able to pay their rent. Um, but at this rate, they're never going to actually get the money together for a decent deposit. So they go off to, at that stage, the, the only bank that's going to lend them anything, which is the bank of mum and dad. And they're able to get together, um, you know, through, uh, parents and family and that sort of thing, say 50% of the uh, of the cost of a house. What they're then able to do is that they're able to to approach uh, approach governance and say, hey, look, this this is who we are. This is this is our income. 
this is our this is our capacity. Um, this is what we've got together in savings. We have found this place. It is it is our it is our perfect forever home, and and this is this is what we would love to be able to do. And then governance is able to say, you know what? Cool. Let's let's go with that. So similar to how it would go and acquire a property for Terraform NFTs, the 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 same process would be done to actually acquire that property, where then uh, the the funds that they have used essentially bootstrap a a yield pool paying off the loan for that property. And then they they also become the tenants of that property as well, where they are paying rent every week for the property that they're living in. And that rent is building up that uh, that yield pool, which then at the end is as that's then accelerating the rate at which it is able to pay down that loan. Which means that rather than having to go through a a, a predatory process where they end up paying multiple times of the house. Instead, they're able to use the yield off of the property that they have, as, or the yield off of the, the revenue that they have to, to actually compound and grow and pay down the loan uh, where, you know, the, the war chest and the protocol is, is making, making something out of it as well. Um, but then at the end of it, it means that when they've paid off that loan, those funds are theirs. That principal component is theirs that they have been able to essentially losslessly, per, uh, you know, losslessly get that exposure to that property, which then we can go through a, a process of actually uh, completing the, the meat world title transfer, uh, burning those NFTs and, and giving them the real world exposure to the property in, in actual full title form. And they're able to get those funds back as well. So in that stage, you, know, you might end up with you know, 10 years down the track rather than going, you know, uh, in the traditional model, you'll be uh, a third of the way through your your thirty year mortgage, um, and you know, have already paid down the entire price of the house, but are still in debt up to your eyeballs. Versus with this process, you know, it's a ten fifteen years down the track, you've not only completely paid off your house, but then you've got this massive pile of funds that you've actually built up over time. That that is a big ass pile of financial freedom. And that, yeah, that, that's awesome. That's what, that's what we want to work towards in the long run. There is a hell of a lot of hurdles that we have to go through on on compliance, on entity structures, on licensing. Um, there's a number of components of this that will require, uh, you know, um, a, a financial services licenses, uh, financial planning, mortgage broking. There's there's a hell of a lot involved in this, but that's ultimately the end goal of the lossless property arm uh, that that we want to work with. I need to pick up the kid in a sec. I had one more, one, one quick question. Um, are you going to collaborate with Angel Protocol um, somehow to help charities around housing and, and whatnot in the future? Because that would be epic because housing is often seen as just as a business model to extract as much as possible from, from the tenants. And man, Absolutely. do I have a passion against it? Yeah, damn straight. Uh, this. The, the reason behind Terraferma NFTs is that we are building something that we want to be using ourselves. And the re- and what we're trying to also make the project do is, is to continue trying to fix up this broken system that has also you know, kicked our asses around for a long time as well. Uh, so that's why we're both part of Angel Alliance uh, and also part of Angel's um, LFG or Locked for Good. So Angel will be receiving uh, 1% of the series token allocation, uh, which will be staked uh, in perpetuity. Um, again, that yields in UST. So that's creating a, a, a baseline cash flow um, that goes for, for Angel. Uh, we're also uh, going through and um, committing 1% of protocol revenue to Angel as well uh, through their Angel Alliance. Uh, and then we'll also be doing an airdrop of the series tokens uh, to people who are staking to the Angel Validator. Uh, so, and, and that's essentially just some of the things that we're doing to to work with Angel to be trying to do good. Uh, it is it is a very very key part of what we're doing is not just how we can um, help people who are you know participating in, in series and Terraforma. It's not just about how we can help grow. Um, the Terra ecosystem and crypto as a whole and, and bring uh, new outside players into it. 
Um, but it's also about how can we make a lasting difference that's bigger than us, that's bigger than the protocol, that's, that's bigger than just trying to hunt for profit. And that's what we're doing with Angel. Awesome. Thank I love you. that. Thank you so much for your question there, Jono. I love that just as uh, Angel Protocol was brought up, I saw that uh, Chauncey's jumped on the call as well. So shout out to Angel. Um, mate, this has been an amazing hour. I've really enjoyed this and I'd love to keep going, to be honest. But I'm going to have to jump on another call shortly uh, in regards to some Teradout Expo stuff. But what I do want to say is, again, everyone who's not already uh, keeping up to date with what Terraferma are doing, go and add them on Twitter. Is there someone else, somewhere else that they can find you and keep up to date? Yes, uh, so, uh, we've got the, the, the Twitter for, um, for Terraferma, uh, which um, there's also a couple of tweets you might want to check out there for our light paper and also that deep dive that I mentioned. It's 2,800 words. It will take a while, but I promise you it's worth it. Uh, we're also over on Telegram and on Discord as well. And I think Chauncey's uh, also trying to put his hand up to, to say something too. Is he? I'm not saying anything on my end about that. Oh, he's waving about. I've got no idea what to do about that though. <laughs> Chauncey, I'll invite him up. Here we go. Invite to speak. Ooh, I, don't know. I don't know if that's working. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's the main sort of areas that you can find us. Um, you know, we're, we're probably the most active at the moment on, on Telegram, uh, but we'll also be going uh, fairly heavily on, on growing our Discord when we get closer to launch because we're able to have different channels about property. Fantastic. Chauncey, do you want to have the last uh, question here or what would you like to say? Uh, I, I wasn't even raising my hand. I was just putting up my heart and, and, and waving high. Uh, I just, I love, I love this team. I love what they're doing um, from day one. They have been amazing uh, and they don't even brag about all of the ways that they are amazing. Um, and I, I can't, I can't talk. I, I can never quite encapsulate uh, the way that Adam can spend uh, two hours talking through Terra Firma and all of the details of how they've arranged all of their property stuff and the many, many iterations of it. But um, while my smooth brain can't fully grasp it all, uh, it is quite, quite impressive. Um, and these guys are just, you know, through and through some of my favorite people in the world. So uh, really, really excited about this project. Um, and yeah, man. Uh, soul on deck shines and, and you have a lot of it. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Um, that's that's more compliments than I don't quite know what to do with. <laughs> Thanks for your uh, contribution there, Chauncey. Um, look, I, I tend to agree. I think you guys are definitely onto something. And I've I've I always try and exercise a healthy level of skepticism with any any new project, particularly any project that's really pushing the boundaries or trying to do something that hasn't been done. Obviously, you know, it's no secret that majority of businesses tend to fail you know there's like it's a very i don't even know the number but it's a very high rate within the first five years and then further long term i did like hearing that you you know you're already thinking 10 years down the track so i know that this is a long-term project i can see by the amount of work that's gone into it the size of your team uh the level of detail that you've gone in today that this isn't uh, a fly-by-night business this is this is a really uh, large operation with big big plans so i'm actually very excited myself to get involved with it um Final thing that I'll ask you is just around when mint, sir, when mint, uh, and do you have a rough price of mint? Uh, so uh, for the for both the, the series token and the first collection of the uh, of the Terraform NFTs, we are aiming for as close to mid-year as practically possible. Uh, and we are making sure that when, when mint of token or NFT, uh, as we said, our compliance is very firm that it needs to be MVP ready uh, before we open the doors. So both of those things will be happening uh, fairly close together. Uh, and it means that it's it's not going to be a case of, hey, here's a token, um, utility coming, <coughs> coming one day, we promise. It means it's it's all ready to go. That's fantastic. And did you have a price here as well? Uh, so can't go into sort of specifics on, on the price of the series token itself at launch. Um, we are hoping to uh, to incorporate a um, a market price finder mechanism like either the LBS or uh, uh, lock lock drop and, and those sort of things. Mm -hmm. um, but as for the uh, as for the NFTs, um, each each property uh, is uh, is going to be working up into ten thousand NFTs. So the idea is that the NFTs themselves uh, will have a, a very affordable uh, mint price. We're talking, you know. Um, Sounds a couple of hundred bucks uh, each on these. They're, they're not going to be um, squillions of dollars. Uh, we want it that people are able to get uh, to get exposed to this at, at any sort of level. Um, if they want big exposure, 
they can they can buy lots if they want little exposure they can buy little and uh, and they're able to to work from there there is a gamification and collecting aspect to it that we will be talking more on later every one of them has 10,000 for a specific and very fun reason and uh, yeah so that's that's all I can make out. Oh, well, that's a great place to leave it on today with a little bit of uh, mystery, a little yep. bit of a cliffhanger. So thank you for doing that. Um, look, really appreciate you, really appreciate everyone for jumping on the call today. Um, we have a bunch of calls coming up over the next week. We're talking to Proteus Finance, Risk Harbour, XD5, Loop Ventures. There's lots of good conversations coming up, uh, particularly as we work our way towards the Teradap Expo in June. In the meantime, all of you look after yourselves. Uh, Mr. Capricious Sage, I really appreciate your time. And, of course, if you need anything at all, like don't hesitate to reach out. Just um, you've got me on the DMs. Always happy to help. Always happy to help uh, if you need to find some team members or anything like that. Um, that's what we do. No, it's all good. And, yeah, if anyone has any questions they want to know more, uh, feel free to DM um, either the, the main Terraform or Series account or, or myself, uh, or you can also find us over on, um, on Telegram as well, and, and we'll gladly talk your ear off. Love it. All right. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Terra Firma NFT AMA hosted by Orbital Command, recorded on Monday, April 4th, 2022. This episode of The Ether was brought to you by Luart. Luart is the first gamified NFT platform built on the Terra network. Luart provides a seamless minting and trading experience, all while earning you rewards just for being a user. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and join the community in the Discord server for the most up-to-date news and announcements regarding all the hot new NFT launches, platform upgrades, and new projects hitting the secondary marketplace. Are you ready to put your helmet on and join the movement? Find out more at luart.io. This episode of the Ether was also brought to you by Glow Yield. Glow Yield is the ecosystem of Terra decentralized apps like Lotto and Creators, all powered by DeFi Yields. Glow Creators helps artists and influencers give their fans exclusive perks through membership NFTs and more. Glow Lotto is a prize link savings account with a weekly chance to win the big jackpot. Tickets are free and perpetual, which means there's zero chance to lose money. Be sure to follow Glow Yield on Twitter and join the the Discord community to stay up to date with all the glowing projects and check them out online at glowyield.com. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap it? In this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back. Doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack. Not everybody's always in it for the money. Looking like another crooked Sunday, and I'm working Monday. So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods. Amazed to play Inception, the base stay blessed. See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties, these sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small. Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent each time someone listens to one of their tracks, leaving only some portion of that for the actual artist. They can't even say they're making pennies, pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But, for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies Another day, another lesson, living in the eighth dimension, might be worth a little mention, living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel, reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal, just to make a motherfucker wish, Ah shit, now you only got two left, you know what I wish, we didn't have any loose ends, you know what I miss, listening to excuses, now we're on the fence, like we forgot how to choose, that's what happens when people don't know what's true, in the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom, in the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off, meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabbit dog, like a fake mate and call at the zoo, it's looking like the view is getting disappointed too, I'm working on the new shit, trying to produce it, it's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music.